Tonight, ballot battle. Former President Trump fighting back over decisions to keep the GOP frontrunner off two state ballots. The U.S. Supreme Court, that's going to have the final word on this. Meanwhile, overseas, and an assassination in Beirut, and ISIS claims responsibility for twin bombings at an Iranian commander's gravesite. The United States was not involved in any way. Plus, tis the season. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. A spike in respiratory viruses in the U.S. All this and more on Faith Nation. The race for the White House meets the legal trials of Donald Trump. Thanks for joining us for Faith Nation from CBN headquarters in Virginia Beach. I'm Wendy Griffith in tonight for John and Jenna. Former President Donald Trump wants the Supreme Court to ensure Republican voters can pick him in this year's primary contests across the country. The appeal follows unprecedented rulings to keep his name off the ballot in two states. Caitlin Burke joins us now with the latest legal issue facing the Republican frontrunner. Caitlin, why are we seeing so many states bar Trump from their primary ballots? Wendy, officials in both Colorado and Maine say Trump's actions after the 2020 election and his involvement in the January 6th storming of the Capitol make him ineligible to run. They cite the 14th Amendment, which bans any officer of the United States who swore an oath to the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection from holding office. The appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court is especially significant because the nation's highest court has never before ruled in a case involving Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. The Insurrection Clause is specifically a Civil War-era provision, and Trump's lawyers argue Colorado's high court misused it. In their official filing to the Supreme Court, Trump's attorneys point out the former president is not, quote, an officer of the United States, and they claim the events of January 6th didn't amount to insurrection, and President Trump in no way engaged in insurrection. Perhaps their most key argument is that it's the American people who choose their representatives, not the courts. That point echoed by high-profile Democrats like former Obama and Clinton advisor David Axelrod. I have very, very strong reservations about all of this. I do think it would rip the country apart if he were uh, actually prevented from running because tens of millions of people uh, want to vote for him. One of Trump's attorneys, Alina Haba, calls on the Supreme Court to make a decision based on the law rather than any political pressure. There's no politics that should be involved in this. It's just simply American. Meanwhile, Trump continues to fight a number of other legal challenges, among them a federal election interference case currently on hold while the courts battle out whether Trump is protected by presidential immunity, a classified documents case alleging he mishandled highly sensitive national security information and then tried to cover it up. That has a May 20th trial date but could be pushed back. Then there's the Georgia election interference case, where Trump is accused of conspiring to change the state's election results in his favor. No trial date there yet. And finally, the Stormy Daniels case, which alleges Trump falsified business records related to his hush money payments to the adult film star. That trial date is also in flux.
Trump maintains his innocence in all four criminal cases. While it's unclear whether the Supreme Court will take the ballot case, it's expected to do so, and a decision would apply to all 50 states. If the justices were not to act by the Colorado and Maine primaries, Trump would remain on both ballots. Colorado's primary is March 5th. Wendy? Caitlin, while Trump is trying to once again win the White House, a new report out today from House Democrats highlights the former president's businesses during his time he was in the Oval Office. What did it find? Wendy, the report focused on how much Trump received from overseas transactions while he was in office. And it's in response to Republican efforts to build an impeachment case against President Biden for the same thing. According to the report on Trump, his businesses received at least $7.8 million from 20 foreign governments, including China, during his presidency. House Republicans dismissed the claims, however, arguing that Trump's business dealings were legitimate, while the Biden family's business was corrupt. Wendy? Caitlin, thanks. Great reporting. We appreciate it. Well, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith works at Cedarville University as the director of the Center for Political Studies. Dr. Smith, uh, first, uh, thanks for being with us. Let's mm -hmm. talk about these ballot cases in Colorado and Maine. Do you expect the issue to end up at the Supreme Court? And if so, any early idea of how they might handle it? I don't think there's any question that the Supreme Court's going to have to take up this issue. Um, it's too grave of a constitutional question, and there's too much of a timing problem here. Uh, and so I suspect the court will, will take this on relatively quickly. You know, the court can move fast if it chooses to do so. Um, how they're going to, to rule, I think we should probably be really cautious. Uh, I think a lot of people sort of assume that this court is conservative. You know, it's a six to three majority Republican appointed uh, court. But I don't think that's really an accurate description of, of the divisions on this court. And so I think it's probably better to look at it as a three to three to three court, uh, where you have three relatively moderate voices, three liberal and three more conservative ones. How they're going to break, I don't know. But I do, I do think it will come down to how they define insurrection um, and how they define that language in the 14th Amendment regarding the word officer. Uh, there's a great deal of controversy and debate over whether or not that phrase includes the President of the United States. And I suspect the court would, uh, would probably land on that issue, most likely. We're just days away from the Iowa caucuses. Based on polling, it's looking like a battle for second place. Are you expecting any surprises? You know, the uh, caucus environment's a little bit different uh, than a primary. Caucuses involve uh, voters actually spending a great deal of time making public commitments. Uh, and so it's a little different than, than even than a poll might capture. And so. I'm not too comfortable saying that the polling has it exactly figured out, but I think it would be a shock if anyone other than Donald Trump were to win uh, in Iowa. The second place finish is, is interesting, I think, and it maybe would tell us a lot about momentum going into New Hampshire, which is the next contest that comes up later. Uh, there it's a battle between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis for second place in Iowa, and hopefully from their perspective, that'll launch them into New Hampshire with an opportunity to maybe take on Mr. Trump down the line. And the indictments seem to have been helpful in boosting Trump's support, yet we don't hear much about them from his opponents. Why do you think they don't mention it? Uh, you know, the only person that's running that really has a chance that mentions it right now is Chris Christie, uh, and he's polling around uh, 3 to 4%, depending on what kind of poll you're looking at. And that's why the others don't talk about it. <clears throat> I think it's fair to say that the indictments are very unpopular within the Republican Party. And I think if, the, if Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, for example, 
focused on them, they would really run the risk of alienating an awful lot of potential voters. Um, yeah. At one point, we might have argued the Republican Party would react negatively to these kinds of legal uh, developments, but that's not necessarily the case right now. We'll, we'll see President Biden make speeches this weekend and early next week framing his campaign. And it looks like he's yeah. already in general election mode against Donald Trump. What do you expect his campaign to focus on? Yeah, a lot of that's going to depend on what happens with the economy. You know, the economy appears to be trending in a little bit better direction. If it looks like this in April, May or June, I'd expect the Biden administration to focus an awful lot on economic recovery. Uh, but you have to think they're going to make Donald Trump the centerpiece of this campaign in a lot of ways. They will focus on the indictments. They will focus on the historic nature of the Trump presidency, and they'll focus on January 6th. So even though the indictments aren't popular within the Republican Party, uh, the Biden administration is going to bet that within the general population, uh, Trump is unpopular enough that this will be a good argument for, for the president to make. Very interesting stuff. Dr. Smith, thanks so much for, for your insights. We appreciate it. Thank you. Tonight, ISIS now claiming responsibility for the deadliest attack in Iran since the 1979 revolution. The announcement by the Islamic State terror group comes after Iranian officials vowed revenge against Israel and the U.S. over twin bombings at an Iranian general's gravesite. U.S. intelligence had indicated ISIS was behind the blast that killed some 100 people and injured scores more Wednesday. Based on all the information available, uh, it's clear to us that this was a terrorist attack. We've seen the reports that ISIS uh, has taken responsibility for it. This attack does bear all the hallmarks of an ISIS attack. Last follow the killings of a top Hamas commander in Lebanon earlier this week, setting off fears of a widening regional war. Crowds gathered today for the funeral of that Hamas deputy in Beirut, where Lebanese officials and state media say an Israeli drone fired two missiles Tuesday at an apartment in a Hezbollah-controlled area. Israel has not taken responsibility for that attack. Iran has long vowed to wipe out the Jewish state. Iranian leaders believe Israel must be eliminated before the return of an Islamic figure known as the Mahdi. Dale Hurd brings us that story. Iran has been indoctrinating its fighters throughout the Middle East in the belief that Israel is the biggest obstacle to the return of the Mahdi and that there must be an apocalyptic war that destroys both Israel and Jews around the world. Islamic expert Raymond Ibrahim. So the Mahdi, as, as an English speaker would pronounce it, it's really Mahdi, which basically means guided. So he's the guided one, or in Islamic understanding, he's the rightly guided one. And he takes on different guises, depending on which sect of Islam you ask, Sunni or Shia. Sunnis, the majority of the world's Muslims, believe the Mahdi has not yet been born. The Prophet said, hadith is in Abu Dawood, a man shall come towards the end of times. His name will be my name, and the name of his father will be the name of my father, meaning Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Shia Islam, which is dominated by Iran, teaches that the Mahdi is already alive and has been hiding for over a thousand years. Brother Rashid, a former Muslim, hosts a Christian program for Muslims called Daring Questions. The Shia Muslims, uh, especially the Twelver Shiism, they believe that he is the 12th imam, and he was born around 868, so he just disappeared. He's still alive until today. His age is 1155, if you want to. So he's still 
living somewhere, and uh, one day he will show himself. Muslims in Iran believe the Mahdi is hiding in this well in the mosque of Jamkaran. Pilgrims peer down the well with flashlights, leave prayer requests for the Mahdi and hope he will reappear. Muslims believe that when the Mahdi returns, he will be accompanied by Jesus, known in Islam as the prophet Isa, to rid the world of evil. Iranian leaders have seized upon belief in the final battle before the Mahdi's return to motivate its military and allies to fight harder to destroy Israel. And a lot of the you know, Islamic schools or jihadists are being indoctrinated by, by Iranian propaganda in, in Mahdiism. And again, it always centers around Israel and attacking and destroying Israel. Some believe in the next phase of its plan to wipe out Israel, Iran might initiate a multi-front attack through its heavily armed proxy armies in Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. Ibrahim and Brother Rashid say the doctrine of the Mahdi's return means that any attempts by Israel to make peace with the Muslim world will ultimately prove to be futile. Israel is a threat to Muslims, to the Mahdi, to the coming of the Mahdi Saudi. They have to be eliminated. There is no, no other solution. So I don't think Israel could ever have permanent peace unless Islam were to completely change itself and become not Islam, to be something completely different. And Ibrahim worries that Iran might be willing to use a nuclear weapon against Israel to ensure the return of the Mahdi. Dale Hurd, CBN News. Coming up, abortion in America, the fight for life in a presidential election year, next on Faith Nation. Welcome back. A new reality of a post-Roe America is coming to light. Research shows women are stocking up on doses of commonly used abortion-inducing medicines just in case. It's a practice called advanced provision. It's when women who aren't pregnant obtain doses of the abortion pill in case they might need it. Now new, new research in the medical journal JAMA Internal Medicine shows a stark increase in the practice since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in 2022. Looking at data from just one telehealth surface, the group averaged about 25 advanced provision requests a day before Roe was overturned. But now that number has jumped to an average of 118 daily requests. Another major court ruling over abortion in Texas. A federal appeals court in the Lone Star State says Texas hospitals and doctors do not need to perform emergency abortions. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals wrote in a ruling Tuesday that federal law, quote, does not mandate any specific type of medical treatment, let alone abortion. The court added that the federal emergency care law did not directly conflict with the state's near total abortion ban. The White House said in a statement Wednesday, the decision endangers women's health and lives. A surge in sickness across the United States. How to avoid risk of developing a respiratory infection this winter. Stay with us. Have you been hearing a lot of people with the sniffles lately? I know I have respiratory illnesses 
are on the rise across America. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports high or very high infection rates in two-thirds of the country. Medical reporter Lori Johnson has more on the surge and how to keep yourself safe this cold and flu season. Doctors typically see a spike in cases of respiratory viruses like the flu, COVID, and RSV after the holidays because of all the travel and in-person gatherings in close quarters. Doctors warn the post-holiday surge may continue for weeks. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Testing is the best way to determine which infection a patient has because symptoms often overlap. They include sore throat, cough, fever, and body aches. Severe symptoms include difficulty breathing and chest pain. We think that influenza probably um, has a more sudden onset after you contract the, the virus uh, within usually one to maybe five, four or five days. COVID-19 symptoms might start anywhere between two and maybe 14 days after you contract the virus. For some viruses, doctors can prescribe pills that have been proven effective, but the drugs need to be taken as soon as possible. With influenza, we have an antiviral medication called Tamiflu, uh, which is only helpful if it started within 48 hours of the beginning of your illness. For COVID-19, there is an oral medication called Paxlovid, which can be started within five days of the onset of your symptoms. RSV, on the other hand, is not treatable with any prescription medication. So RSV is a virus that many of us are familiar with, unfortunately, that can, can really hit the little kids hard, the little ones, the infants, um, hospitalizations happen every single year from RSV. Doctors say parents should take their child to the doctor if they're not drinking enough, have bluish lips or fingernails, or have short, rapid breathing. You might see little ones where you can see the outline of their ribs, and we call those some retractions. You can see their muscles working extra to help them breathe. Fortunately, most RSV cases are mild. Pediatricians often recommend children's acetaminophen or ibuprofen for comfort. In general, the cough medicines we don't recommend across the board. They have other um, components in them that aren't necessarily useful or helpful for kids. One that is useful is over-the-counter honey for um, a year or more. Sometimes that can soothe the throat and give them a little relief. Doctors say regardless of age or ailment, we can prevent the spread of respiratory viruses by washing our hands often, covering coughs and sneezes, and staying home when sick. Lori Johnson, CBN News. Well, we have another fantastic story from Lori Johnson. Uh, as you know, during the winter months, you can sometimes get the blues. Let's hear a story uh, from Lori about how you can protect yourself from that as well. Sometimes music can touch the soul in a way that words alone just can't. That's why one hospital chaplain adds sing-alongs to his routine. All right, let's see if we can have some fun in the midst of all of this. Reverend Christopher Kayampa uses his gift of song to touch the lives of psychiatric patients at the Ohio State University Medical Center. We find strength mentally, physically, spiritually in, in all sorts of places, you know, and music is one of them. He chooses songs about love and hope. 
Patients can sing along with the lyrics posted on the wall. In addition to uplifting melodies, Reverend Chris injects humor into the sessions. Everything, everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be all right, all right. And that's about the time my arm falls off. His father, grandfather, and four uncles all served as pastors, but not like this. Falling in love with you. One of Reverend Chris's favorites, Lean On Me, has become his theme song. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. But it's such a cool song because it, it doesn't say I'm wonderful, I'm perfect, or I'm a nobody. It just says... You know, I'm here for you if you need me. Mental patients often feel isolated, and Chris feels music can help break down those invisible barriers. I think singing is a way of just putting people on an even basis, you know, and just saying, okay, it's just us chickens here. Let's, let's just sing a song. And maybe offer a sense of unity. It's about caring about the people and when you care about people they notice you know they do so while talking and praying with patients remains a big part of a hospital chaplain's job so is singing at least for this one thank you for being a friend i want to thank you thank you for being a friend lori johnson cbn news Still ahead, before you kick your Christmas tree to the curb, check out this cute recycling option. Finally tonight, for many of us, it's about time to take down the Christmas tree. Mine's been up since Thanksgiving. While most trees end up on the curb for the trust truck, there's a cute recycling group that will gladly take it off your hands. Meet the Christmas cleanup crew across the country. Farmers are asking neighbors to consider donating the, their used pine as goat feed. Tracy Phillips in Pennsylvania is one of these farmers saying there's all sorts of benefits to the goats. They have um, lots of vitamins and they also act as a natural dewormer. Who knew? From Pennsylvania to Oregon, as more folks are learning about this yearly tradition, some are already offering up their trees. That's going to do it for this edition of Faith Nation. See you tomorrow.